Our scripture today is the 10th commandment, Exodus 20, verse 17, followed by a passage from Luke chapter 12. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told him a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I'll do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Andrew, and thank you again, Inspirations and Chancel Choir. We have more wonderful music yet to come during our offertory in a few moments. Bellissimo, our young people's bell choir will be playing this morning. So a great day to be in worship at Noonan First United Methodist Church. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol. Number three, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. Number four, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and your mother. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And number 10, you shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. The Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, since July 25th, we've every Sunday been taking a closer look at the commandments and what they mean for us and how they're still critically important for us, for our families, for our church family, for our world. I know there's been much debate over the past, goodness knows, it's been 20 or 30 years since we first started having the conversations about where it was appropriate to hang copies of the Ten Commandments and where it wasn't. Conversations about should they be placed in courthouses or classrooms and other places. And I know there is much debate, much conversation about that. But they do have an influence in a positive way with our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And do we realize the precarious position we would be in, our families would be in, our society would be in if we ignored these commandments altogether. If we ignored this ancient yet contemporary code of conduct. 
Though it's not necessary that we can recall all the Ten Commandments in order, I do hope we are aware of what they are. The order in which they are given, though, is, is not insignificant. They have to do with our relationship with others and our relationship with God. The first four deal with humanity's relationship to God. The next six deal with our relationships with each other. Not so obvious, yet just as true as these human-human relationships impact our relationship with God. Now, Dr. Charles Allen has written, before we can live rightly with others, we must learn to live rightly with God. And I mostly agree with that statement. But I believe that sometimes we have to hold that statement in tension with something that Jesus taught us. You remember he said about offering our gifts at the altar. So when you're offering your gifts at the altar, Jesus said, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. And first be reconciled to your brother or your sister, then come and bring your gift to God. In other words, it sounds like Jesus is saying, get your relationships with one another worked out and then come to the altar and then come and acknowledge your relationship with God. My series of sermons on the Ten Commandments ends today. And I won't say I've completely enjoyed preparing these sermons for sometimes it's difficult to take ancient words like these and try to hear what they're saying to us in our day and our time and why they still matter and why they're still important. But I thank you for your prayers and I thank you for your words of encouragement and I thank you for, for sticking with us as we move through these commandments. Number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house you shall not cover your neighbor's wife or male or female slaves or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Covet. The word means to grasp, to, to grasp for more, to desire, to yearn for more. And one basic interpretation problem for the biblical scholars who have wrestled with this text across the years has been determining what the Hebrew word for covet really entails. What all does it include? Why is that word important? It's been troublesome to many that this is the only commandment that seems to be concerned with attitudes and feelings of the heart and the mind because possession is occasionally implied in the verb itself. It's not uncommon to conclude that coveting simply not just an impulse of the will, but also the actions that we take to follow up on that impulse and to covet and to claim things as our own. Simply stated, coveting is an emotional, mental process that often leads to action. In the 10th commandment, therefore, both an inward desire for someone's stuff, someone's things, and not one's own, and the actions plan to make those things our own, all of that is condemned, the thoughts and the actions. And I'm convinced that Jesus would have affirmed this interpretation of the commandment because he taught that wrongful external actions are birthed by internal thoughts. He said, for out of the heart come evil intentions, Murder and adultery and theft and false witness and slander. 
you shall not covet. I stumbled across a parable. I guess it would be a parable. It's a somewhat contemporary story. Maybe it's a fable. And it spoke to me about that which the Ten Commandment warns us. It seems like some brilliant scientist succeeded in inventing an atomic converter. It could take ordinary soil and ordinary stone and convert it instantly into usable goods. People rejoiced. The end of poverty, the end of want was in sight. This was a great thing. It had finally come. Only a few gloomy malcontents could worry that the earth itself might be used up in this process. 5,000 years later, astronomers were trying to disprove the popular legend that the earth had once been much bigger than the moon. 10,000 years later, the story ends with one starving man perched atop his atomic converter, all adrift in an empty space. You shall not covet the ancient commandment. And the modern fable come to mind that there's something wrong, something sinister about our sometimes insatiable appetites. More and more and more and more. Achan, A-C-H-A-N, and some of you may remember him, an Old Testament character in the book of Joshua. Achan, if given a chance, would probably tell us that unchecked desire can be a terrible thing, can be a destructive sort of thing. Aachen, you may remember, was the villain of that all-too-human story that emerges from the rubble, from the ruin of ancient Jericho. Poor brother Aachen, all he did was get carried away with some stuff that was left laying around after God's people had taken over the, the city of Jericho. It doesn't seem all that much to get in an uproar about, does it? I mean, what's the big deal here? People rejoice, Scripture says, when they divide the spoil. And anyway, this stuff was left over after the conquest of Jericho that had belonged to these other folk. Well, it was there for the taking. They had been destroyed, but it was worth something. The robe was imported. The silver and gold amounted to $7,000 in today's money or more. And that's not chicken feed. And besides, Aachen thought, who'd ever know? Well, the Lord knew. And that's where Aachen's troubles began. Most of us feel pretty safe, pretty comfortable in a crowd of familiar faces. We think, well, nobody will single us out if we've been up to no good. Nothing will reveal our indiscretion. Who could ever pick out Aachen's indiscretion? Aachen said, amongst all the crowd, amongst all the children, multitudes of Israel, then suddenly all but Aachen's clan was discharged. And then all but Aachen's family was discharged. And finally, each member of Aachen's household, Aachen's household was exonerated until poor Aachen was left standing there by himself in the spotlight, in God's spotlight. And he began mumbling pathetically, when I saw the stuff, 
I coveted it. I took it. The problem was, you see, that God had declared that all that stuff was out of bounds. The silver and gold was to be gathered up and shared in the treasury of all the people, the holy treasury. So don't any of you be tempted to claim it for yourself, God had declared. That essentially is what this 10th commandment says. There's lots of stuff around that doesn't belong to us, that belongs to someone else. Stuff like real estate or personal property or automobiles or ski boats or second homes, right on down to the neighbor's attractive spouse. We've already heard the seventh commandment, tell us not to seduce, and the eighth commandment, tell us not to steal. So what's going on here? We're going to go in a step beyond that. The final commandment is not so much intended to prohibit us from taking our neighbor's stuff. This 10th commandment prohibits us from even wanting to take that stuff, those things, those people that don't belong to us. Television commercial a few years ago, and some of you may remember it, it's a cowboy out in the wilderness, out in the plains, set up campsite for the night, and he's cooking a marvelous looking steak over the fire. And not far beyond the cowboy is his dog. And the dog is whining and whimpering and licking his chops and just restless and can't concentrate because of this wonderful steak. And the cowboy turns to the dog and says, don't even think about it. That gets at the heart of the 10th commandment. We might think we'd love to have something that belongs to someone else, and it's as if God isn't, don't even think about it. You shall not covet. One of Leo Tolstoy's parables, a very brief story that I think speaks to all of this, a peasant was told he could have all the land that he could walk around in one day. And so the man started, and he was hurrying, and pushing himself to get around as much land as possible before the sun set. And he put forth so much exertion that he fell dead just before he got back to the place where he had started. And he ended up with nothing. He was dead right there. It seems to be the case that with so many folks, and we'll have to answer this for ourselves. We need to examine our own hearts and not to be in judgment of others. It seems that so many folks, no matter how much, it's never enough. A little bit more, a little bit more. And eventually, after covetousness drives them unmercifully through life, then it eventually kills their spirit and kills their soul and they leave this world with nothing. How much stuff or how much money does it take to fill that emptiness in our hearts? An emptiness that can only be filled by the presence of God. How much does it take to satisfy that desire for communion with God and for fellowship, for a vital relationship with a merciful and a loving and a creator God? How much? Earlier we read Andrew read from Luke chapter 12. 
And in that lesson, Jesus is recorded as saying, take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist of one's possessions. Now, another translation of that verse, one that I like and enjoy, and it makes me smile once in a while. I don't know if you've ever heard of or ever read the Cotton Patch version of the New Testament. Clarence Jordan was the founder of the community there in America's Georgia, Koinonia community. And he died over 50 years ago, but he was a brilliant scholar. And he had translated much of the New Testament into contemporary terms and set it all in the state of Georgia. And it's, it's funny and it's insightful and sometimes it gets right to the point. Let me tell this story from the Cotton Patch Version. Then Jesus said to them, you all be careful and stay on your guard against all kinds of greediness for a person's life is not for the piling up of possessions. And then he gave them a comparison. A certain rich man's farm produced so well and he held a meeting with himself and he said, what shall I do? I don't have enough room to store all my crops. And he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my old barns and I'll build some bigger barns in which I'll store all my stuff and all my produce. And I'll say to myself, Stealth, you got enough stuff put up for a long time, stashed away. So now, self, recline, dine, wine, and shine. But God said to him, you nitwit, at this very moment, your goods are putting the screws on your soul. All these things you've grown for, to whom do they really belong? That's the way it is with one who piles up stuff for himself, for herself, without giving God a thought. Tenth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Desire in and of itself is not always an evil thing, is it? It depends on the object of our desire and the focus of our desire. It can be a positive force for good. When we realize what God realized before God gave us this commandment, then we place ourselves on the pathway to wholeness, to salvation. And what is it that God wanted us to know, wanted to reveal to us in this 10th commandment? God realized that our strongest driving desire, whether we recognize it or not, is for God, for the Spirit of God in our hearts and in our lives. That's what we desire more than anything else. And St. Augustine or St. Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, O God. And our hearts are restless until they rest in you. As Christian folk, we know God through Jesus the Christ. Jesus who said, I'm the vine and you are the branches, and apart from me, you can do nothing. So through him, and in him, and in relationship with Jesus the Christ, our greatest desire is fulfilled and satisfied. So we come to the close of the Ten Commandments, feeling what? Feeling guilty, perhaps? 
Somewhere along the way, we've probably all of us broken more than one of them. Let me then conclude with a word of grace. The God whom we most strongly desire in our inward being is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. May we know in our hearts this day the peace that only God's forgiveness can bring. Amen.